Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Battleborn Phantom. Hello, and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joshua and Selmo, and today is a good day as Maple Leafs training camp has officially kicked off. Uh, we are now getting closer to the season. Uh, today's episode, we are going to clean house um, after day one here. Uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about all the news and notes to take away. Uh, some interesting quotes from the players themselves that I found interesting. And, uh, you know, it's just an exciting time. You go outside, you can smell the air, that like kind of fall feeling, right? Um, hockey's kind of getting close. Um, both my brothers, you know, starting to go to their games now. It's that fun part of the year where like you're just so excited for hockey to be coming back. And, uh, you know, I love summer and this summer was awesome, but there's nothing like hockey season and if you're listening to this podcast I think you can agree uh hockey is just a special sport especially uh when you live here in Canada but let's start off with uh some of the injury notes first because I think these are the more important parts of today's information let's start off with uh Timothy Liljegren uh the Leafs defenseman will be out six weeks after uh, undergoing surgery for a hernia um, this does give the Leafs the option to put him on the LTIR. I think that frees up about $1.4 million in cap space uh, as we enter the season. That's not the only injury news. Uh, per uh, Frank Soravalli of Daily Faceoff, uh, Leafs forward Pierre Engvall has dealt with a nagging injury throughout the summer and may not be ready for the start of the season. Um, LTIR if Engvall does go on I think the timeline for him is only two weeks but if he does would temporarily free up 2.25 million uh, in this case so they do have a bit of extra flexibility if they want to get a deal done with Rasmus Sandin Um, you know Engvall I was gushing over how he played in game one of uh, last year's playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning I thought he was just physical he was a pest very very hard to play against uh, at the end of the game, though, he started taking some huge hits from the opposition. I think there was a play uh, in the in the final remaining minute of that game where he got run into the boards pretty hard. I think it was in the shoulder area. After that, he didn't really look um, the same. You know, it was a very short amount of time, right? Like under a minute. But after that, even in game two and on through the rest of the series, he didn't have that same, um, I don't know how to describe it, but that same effect uh, went on the ice. So... I'm wondering if that's kind of where the injury stemmed from. Obviously, you know, when I was there in person, seeing just the impact uh, of that hit and how he kind of reacted to it. Some, it's an angle that I tried going back on TV and re-watching and cr- try and see if I could, you know, get a better look at it. But um, the camera angle it took it out. But, you know, I think that might be where this injury's occurred from because, um, you know, in that game, he was just all over the ice, right? And he was, I think it was Hagel. He got in a stroke with Hagel. And I thought, you know, that was probably his best hockey that I've seen him play uh, for the Maple Leafs. And it was just unfortunate that we didn't see it throughout the rest of that series. I think if we did have that angle through all seven games, uh, we would have had a little bit more uh, luck go our way that uh, last April. Uh, last April. Last May, sorry. Um, 
you know, one thing, yeah, bringing that back up, the NHL is finally starting to get on a regular schedule again. And I'm so happy for that because growing up, uh, you know, April is supposed to be playoff time and there's not really supposed to be hockey in July and well past June, you know, mid-June. Um, but now that we're getting closer to it, my brain's starting to function more on a regular schedule. So I'm hoping we see April playoffs again because I love when it's like April time, you know, it's that spring and then you lead. And one thing about it is, you know, as you get closer to the final, the weather starts getting better. And, you know, once you, if your team, you know, gets to the final, you're in shorts and stuff, it's just, it's just an awesome experience. So, um, I'm, I'm hoping we get closer to that. So that's why my brain still functions thinking playoffs are in April. Let's get to something a little different now. Um, this is all per Elliot Friedman on his 32 thoughts podcast. Elliot Friedman is the man, my favorite, um, you know, insider to follow in the world of hockey. He's so good at his job. I had the pleasure to meet him. Last year, uh, since I was talking about game one, it was actually right before game one. Fantastic guy. Was able to take a picture with him. You know, just a pure class act. And um, so, you know, he said yesterday, or sorry, on Monday's episode, that in quotations, I've heard the same rumors as everyone else that Toronto wanted Sandine and Liljegren to sign the same day at two years times $1.4 million. Liljegren said yes. And Sandin said no. He also then said that the contract comparable to Rasmus Sandin that has been talked about isn't Adam Boquist's three times two point six million. It's actually Jake Bean's three times two point three million that he's heard Toronto doesn't want to go there though. Um, I know basically right now Sandin. You look at the depth chart. He is LD four, right? The left side here in Toronto is very very stacked. We have. Um, Morgan Riley, who's obviously the head of the defense corps here in Toronto, followed behind Jake Muzzin, who Jake Muzzin, you know, is a premier defenseman when he's healthy, when he's on his game, he's very good. We saw how good he can be, um, in that playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then after that, we have Mark Giordano, right? Mark Giordano, love him, had the pleasure to talk to him this off season. He's a great guy as well. Fantastic. Um, you know, team guy also, he took that discount here, really embraced the city. Uh, he had a comment today saying that this city has so much passion and, you know, he's a guy that, yes, he kind of came here to, uh, retire, uh, to kind of, you know, put his career down, uh, on the right path and hopefully have some success here with Toronto. So I don't think you're expecting too much from him. I think he is a perfect bottom six, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, bottom pairing guy. I think he gives you what you want. Um, he also has a little bit of offensive upside, which I like. I still think he's a very good NHL defenseman. And, you know, right now you have Sandine, who has played on the right side at some points, but he's much better on the left side. And the one thing about Sandine is you look at the depth chart, right? Like I just went through Morgan Riley. Okay, for sure a lock. But Jake Muzzin and then Mark Giordano. Jake Muzzin... As much as I love the guy, he has been injury prone now for a couple seasons. Obviously, the concussions were a factor last season. And behind Jake Muzzin is Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano, very good hockey player, but is almost 40 years old and he's 38 right now. Your left-hand side there, you have Muzzin, Giordano, Victor Mete, Jordy Ben on the roster. Uh, obviously, you have guys in the Marlies like Philip Crawl and stuff like that, but you know, right now, Sandine, I think he needs to be on this roster for the long term. For the long term, um, just because I, I don't have that much faith in Jake Muzzin and Giordano, 
uh, to move on from a guy that showed me as much as he did last season. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, Sandine hasn't proved himself yet to be asking for money in negotiations. But if I'm a rebuilding team, 100% I would have offer sheeted Rasmus Sandine by now because, you know, obviously Sandine, the eye test is good, but he strives more in the analytics category. And if you follow Jay Fresh on Twitter, fantastic Twitter page. I highly suggest you guys go check them out if you love hockey. Um, his website and his number, his player cards show that Sandine absolutely crushed sheltered third pairing minutes last season. I remember, I remember before he got injured, there was a point in the season where he was second. Yes. Second in the league among defensemen with 500 plus minutes with a 59.9% expected goal share at five V five. Sandine, if there was no Morgan Riley here at the head of the decor, I really think Sandy's Sandine's offensive upside, given that he was drafted in the first round, you would see him get more praise from outside the Leafs fan base. You know, he's very, very offensive. If he got a shot on the power play at that top, uh, on the obviously on PP1 for the long term, let's say, you know, knock on wood that Morgan Riley doesn't get hurt, but... If he did, I think he would be a very, very stable replacement. Um, actually, one thing I noticed watching Sandine plays, I think he actually has a better, um, uh, not a better, but like a different way of manning that power play. You know, when remember when Morgan Riley got hurt a couple seasons ago and Sandine uh, in his first full, full time with the Maple Leafs uh, took over that power play. He started getting the puck a lot more on net. I think he has a little bit more of a shooting aspect to his game than Morgan Riley. That's one thing that... You know, I love Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley is arguably my favorite Leaf on the roster after Matthews, but he just he's a little reluctant to shoot at certain points. And, you know, sometimes it could hurt the Leafs, especially on the power play. Um, even though he has a good shot, which I'm surprised about, I just wish Morgan Riley would shoot a bit more. But I think Sandine, if he really had the runway to just go, I think he would soar. And I'm very, very high on him. So to bring him back at $2.3 million, um, if you get term with that, I, I think I would do that because I think, um, you know, with the age of Giordano and Jake Muzzin's, you know, pass with injuries, I, I can see a, a realm of possibilities where Sandine ends up being in your top four, um, for an extended amount of time. And I think he's a very, very good defenseman. I think he's able to play top four minutes. And I think he's shown you that every year he's been getting better last year, him and Travis Dermott, that pairing where they put Dermott on the right side, they actually crushed third pairing uh, minutes together. Um, their analytics were off the charts. I think they were one of the best pairings in the league to start off the season. So, you know, Sandine, I'm very, very high on him. I think his skating has improved. I think he looks a lot more mobile. Um, you know, he's just really, really taken off under this Leafs development staff. So I think the sky's the limit for him. And if I'm a team that's rebuilding, you already heard me. I 100% would have offered sheeted him by now because I think uh, if he really had the runway, he would soar. But going on next now, let's go to some interesting notes here. Uh, this is um, some Maple Leafs that have put on uh, muscle this uh, summer. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to take away from this, especially with the first guy I'm going to bring up here is uh, Adam Gaudet. So he put on apparently 24 pounds of muscle this offseason. And the reason to me I put this number one is because Gaudet, you know, when he signed with Toronto, uh, Kyle Dubas, uh, when he did his press conference, was saying how, you know, they found out that he had a bit of an issue um, maintaining maintaining his weight 
you know, through his diets and stuff like that. And uh, he was dealing with some stuff. And they watched him, I think it was in the Olympics, and they saw, or no, the World Championship, sorry, and they saw the jump in his stride and, you know, the pep in his step in his game. He looked a lot more confident. Uh, he looked more comfortable out there. And I think that gave uh, Kyle Dubas uh, a, a little bit of interest to take a flyer on him, right? He's coming to training camp. He's not a lock to make the team just yet. But Adam Gaudet, it's good to see him put on some muscle. I think he's a very interesting player. Like I said, Kyle Dubas said he saw the confidence come back into his game. If he could find that under this very good lease development staff, I'm very, very intrigued to see what he can contribute. Because just remember, a couple seasons ago when he was with the Vancouver Canucks, he was still seen as a highly regarded player coming up through their pipeline. So Adam Gaudet, I'm wishing him the best, and I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, in preseason. Moving on next is Pontus Holmberg. Uh, very interesting name here to watch. I'm wondering if he can make a push for that bottom six center spot, whether that's third line or fourth line. I think the third line role is probably uh, safe with David Camp, so I don't think any of those are up for grab. I think if there is, it'd be one. But Pontus Holmberg, he does, like I said yesterday, if you listen to the yesterday's episode about the recap of Travers, the prospect tournament, he does a lot of small things, and he does the stuff that goes unnoticed that you know you really appreciate looking back if you watch the tape. And his work, his work ethic, sorry, and his effort, like his work rate is crazy. Um, he's not afraid to get down low in the corners. Uh, the second goal the Argentines have scored in the first game of the prospect tournament. If you go back and watch, uh, that goal happens because obviously the Dallas Stars defenseman turns the puck over into the slot and Yargachinsev puts it five hole. But Pontus Holmberg, that doesn't happen if he's not pressing as hard as he is there. So Holmberg, I'm very, very intrigued about him coming into camp. Um, like I said yesterday, again, Kyle Dubas, you know, he even mentioned him, I think it was at the end of the year last year uh, on his uh, exit interview where he was saying how he thinks the next year he can probably push for a roster spot or something like that. I'm just paraphrasing, but that's something I'm very intrigued to see how he does in camp. Uh, the next name here is uh, Mac Hollowell, right? Um, Hollowell, right-hand defenseman, spin with the Marlies for a couple seasons now. Clearly well-liked around the guys if you ch- if you follow their social media. Um, Hollowell is, is interesting to me because, you know, we don't have much right-handed defenseman depth here in Toronto. Uh, obviously, he is a former Sioux Greyhound. Um, he was drafted in 2019. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been... Uh, sorry, he was drafted in 2018. It's been it's been a while uh, of Mac Hallwell developing under the Leaf, the Maple Leafs uh, development staff. He's showing signs of progress. Uh, he put on 17 pounds of muscle apparently, and it, you know there's a lot there's some talk about his mobility issues and stuff like that. Um, but I, I I trust him. Uh, he was drafted 118th overall, uh, but he's 23 right now. Um, but yeah, going back to my point, watching him last year with the Marlies, I thought he looked a lot more confident in his game. He looked a lot more solid and grounded, um, was able to really push guys out in front of the net. I'm excited to see how he does in preseason. Obviously, you know, this is a name that I think if you watch the Leafs in preseason from the last couple of seasons, now you've grown familiar with, um, you know, another year under his belt now at 23 years old with Lilligren going to be out to start the season. I think this is a very intriguing player to keep an eye on. And remember, um, with his age and his development, his cap hit, this is probably a squeezable player to put on the roster if uh, they do not find a way to bring back Sandine. Next is uh, Ilya Samsonov, um, the first goalie on my list here. He put on 14 pounds of muscle in the offseason. Samsonov, 
you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm happy that he's, you know, enlarging his frame. Same with Matt Murray, who's next on the list. He put on 12 pounds. It's good to see both goalies. I guess um, the Leafs, you know, nutrition staff here uh, noted that they put on a little bit more muscle to make themselves look bigger and broader when in the cage. And, you know, one thing as a goalie myself, they always tell you that it never hurts to put on more muscle in terms of mobility, uh, to keep your endurance going throughout the season. Um, Obviously, I'm sure these guys have been conditioning to the highest standard, so I'm very confident in these two. Uh, both goalies are kind of a slimmer build, especially Matt Murray. And that's something that he's noted before is, you know, his thin build. He's got a lot of talk about that. You know, a lot of talk from other teams saying, you know, put on a little bit more, make yourself broader. So I, I'm very excited to see how these two do in training camp. And uh, I'm happy to see that they're on the right track so far with the new Leafs development staff. And I think Matt Murray is going to be an awesome hockey player for the Leafs. Uh, watched him a ton, especially with the Penguins. I am amped up about that move. I can't wait. Next, Abruzzese. This one is big for me. Puts on nine pounds. Same with Mitch Marner. Both of these guys put on nine pounds uh, in the offseason. Abruzzese, you know, he was a thinner build player at the end of last year. Very, very nifty. He had good speed to him. He really started to emerge at the end of the season, though, in my opinion. He started off a bit slow, especially in the points category. But also, he was playing with guys like Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza, who went on streaks almost at, I think, Spets had a 24, or no, Simmons had a 24 game streak without a goal or something. I remember last year. So, you know, obviously the offensive production wasn't coming from the bottom six last year. And, you know, I love Spezza and Wayne, but it's tough to really grade him on that. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see how he does in training camp uh, now that he has a couple NHL games under his belt. But I remember the last regular season game he played, uh, which I believe was against the Boston Bruins, I really liked his game. Uh, you know, he's pushed up into a higher role, obviously, with the Leafs sitting a lot of their stars. And I thought he did really, really well in that one. Uh, Nylander, the last one on my list here, put on eight pounds. This is interesting. I, I've been saying a lot on this podcast. I think this is going to be the year Nylander really shakes the hockey world. I love his talent. Um, I think he's shown that he's gone better every season. Uh, as you know, we just keep going through them. I hope that he can just put away those stretches of coldness. You know, that's been his problem is he does so good in certain stretches, like just elite hockey level stuff. And then he'll just have the absolute coldest streaks too along with it. So it's, it's pretty frustrating. Um, but I'm high on Nylander this year. I think he's gotten better in the two way side of the game. And, you know, last year at the end, he started really emerging on that third line. So if he can give you, you know, you spread out the depth of your lineup. You perhaps put him on the third line again, for and you get its production towards the end of last year. I'm very, very excited with this team's depth uh, from where we were last season to this season. Now, next, uh, we're going to talk about players that have apparently grown. I, I didn't know you can grow in your 30s, but uh, let's start off. This one uh, I have first on my list here is because he did so well in the tournament in Traverse, you know, in, in certain areas. Um, he made a lot of big stops, and that's Keith. Petruzzelli, you know, he's apparently 6'6 now um, coming into training camp. He was 6'5 last year. Uh, bigger goaltender, thin build. Uh, once he starts putting a little bit more muscle and, you know, he, he works with development staff, gets a little bit more experience under the pro level uh, after he played last year at the Growlers with a 927 save percentage named second team all-star in the ECHL. I'm excited to see his development, and I think that is something to keep an eye on. Not for this season, but for the future. Uh, next, uh, David Kampf. He's 6'2 now. TJ Brody, 6'2. 
Aston Reese uh, gained an inch, apparently. He's 6'1". Obey Kubel is listed at 6 feet. Same with Cali Yarncroke. Upon uh, his Holmberg, six, uh, 6 feet now. Alex Kerfoot and Abruzizi are both listed at 5'11". So that's interesting. You know, some growth here on the Leafs lineup. Obviously, socks do help. And uh, we don't really have um, much, I guess. It's hard to really tell with these player cards and stuff like that. Because there's so much, like, fake and, you know, BS that goes on. Like, uh, who was it last year? I forget. But, um, anyways, sometimes these are not accurate. uh, But I guess they try their best. And it's interesting to see Kerfoot 5'11 going into next season. Um, Let's go with a quote now from Matt Murray that I found interesting today. Uh, The relationship among goaltenders is a pivotal one. I think we're going to push each other to get better every day. Matt Murray, like I said, if you've been listening to this podcast in the summer, when they made that trade, I was excited. Um, I don't think there was a lot of uh, Leafs Nation that was too thrilled about the move at the time. Um, Obviously, there was uh, some out there, uh, some optimistic fans like me. And Matt Murray, like I said, I I watched him a ton uh, in his NHL career, especially at the Penguins. Um, He does better when he has that competition for the net. And... You know, Kyle Dubas said the same thing yesterday. He agrees with uh, GM Jim Rutherford uh, that, you know, this he said a similar thing with Murray. If you go and, like, he's known for winning his cups, right, Matt Murray with the Penguins. He just was an electric in his uh, rookie year there winning back-to-back cups with the Penguins. He was challenging with Flurry, right? Obviously, in the first year in 2016, Flurry goes down with an injury. He takes over, finishes it, uh, gets the Penguins their Second Stanley Cup in the Crosby era. Then the third year, um, also the, a lot of people thought they'd move on from Flurry. No, they run it back with him. Uh, arguably the two best goaltenders in the in the league um, went on certain points. Flurry was still very good that season. Uh, unfortunately, got hurt in game one again. Matt Murray takes over after, you know, um, I think he had a concussion at the time where he missed an extended amount towards the end of the year, but comes back uh, towards the end, game one. Uh, does real well, um, real, real well after uh, credit to Jeff Zakoff. You guys remember those playoffs? Um, he got Mr. Game One. But after that, Matt Murray, you know, he those two years, he was, he was a stud. He was so good. He was so calm in the cage, um, barely looked rattled. Then, no, sorry, then in the second year, it was Murray that went down and Fleury took over the first two rounds. Murray comes back for rounds three and four. Murray wins them the cup. Um, so, you know, he, that's when he's on his game is when he has a competition, they move on from flurry, his numbers drop. Then if you look at that area where Murray's numbers drop and you look at when Tristan Jari starts to emerge in the Penguins organization, his numbers start to go back up. And, you know, you look at the playoff series that he had against the Islanders the first time or no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. When he played against the Islanders, didn't have the best numbers, right? Still. Okay. Uh, but you go against the, you go to the series against the Montreal Canadiens he looked a lot better, and I know the numbers might, might not be that uh, large of a growth from the Islander series, but if you go back and watch those games, his play was way, way better. He looked a lot more dominant. He was um, he looked way more confident as well. It's another thing I took away from that. Uh, and why was that? Well, that was the year that Tristan Jari made it to the All-Star game. So Tristan Jari and Matt Murray had a good little battle for the twine there. Then he goes to Ottawa. There was no real competition in Ottawa. Um, for the longest time this year, Anton Forsberg and Philip Gustafson kind of emerged uh, onto the scene, but 
those were largely due to injuries and stuff like that. And then once his situation just got destroyed uh, going into the AHL, I think they just ruined it. It was a complete mess. I, I think they gave up on him too early, the Ottawa Senators. And uh, good luck with Talbot and uh, Anton Forsberg. Um, I'll enjoy Matt Murray here uh, in Toronto. So that's just one thing I have to take away from that. I think Murray is a good goaltender. When he's confident, he is solid. I think he fits this Leafs team real well because he plays a calming kind of style um, to that position. You know, there's other goalies that make the highly real saves, that do the the acrobatics, the stuff that I love, like the Marc-Andre Fleury stuff. Um, But he's more uh, based off positioning and always being in the right spot and the easy saves uh, and stuff like that. So I think that's perfect for a Maple Leafs defense here. Uh, very low octane hockey in the defensive zone, and I think the Leafs team could have real success if they can get a, a good Matt Murray out of him this season. And you know, for Ilya Samsonov, young young goaltender, I thought he had some good flashes with the Washington Capitals. Very very high ceiling. Uh, the Leafs have a new development coach, uh, sorry, a new goaltending coach. Um, they have a lot more help in the development staff now than they did uh, a couple seasons ago. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they can work with Samsonov. He would not surprise me if he does this, you know, just tear it up this year and does become, you know, I guess the next big rumor guy for these uh, powerhouse Toronto sports networks and TSN Sportsnet about how are they going to find a way to keep Samsonov and all that. Um, But both these goaltenders, like, don't get it twisted. Toronto has way higher upside in the goaltending position than they did last season with Mrazek and Jack Campbell. And I love Jack Campbell. I thought Mrazek was going to be all right too. Obviously the injury stuff was a concern before Dubas signed that contract um, with the Carolina Hurricanes. But still, that ceiling wasn't very high. It had a good floor, uh, probably a higher floor than this tandem actually, I would I would say. But this this tandem now with Matt Murray and Samsonov, the ceiling is, the, it is so high. You have two potential starting goaltenders on your roster. Matt Murray, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Ilya Samsonov, a first-round pick. I'm all in. I'm all in on this pairing. Uh, This tandem, I think, is going to do real well. Book it now. Um, If I die on the hill, (laughs) I die on the hill. But I am very, very high on Matt Murray and Samsonov. Let's do it, Dubas. In his last year of his contract, going out, pushing and all, pushing all his chips in with Murray, bringing back the guy that he knows very well, along with Sheldon Keefe, another Sioux Greyhound with the first round pick in Samsonov that I was surprised Washington let go. Count me in. Smash that button. Count me in. I'm on this pairing 100%. This, this tandem, I'm in. Now, the last quote here I just want to get through today on the first day of training camp is uh, from Austin Matthews because, you know, this is going to get blown out of proportion uh, in every way possible by these outlets. And this was from Matthews himself. The city has embraced me and my family. I've just grown comfortable in my own skin here. It's a special place to play. Austin Matthews isn't leaving. He, he's not leaving. And my, I really do not believe that he's leaving. I think he loves this city. I think his relationship with Bieber... Um, I can confirm that his Lamborghini that he leaves Scotiabank Arena with is Maple Leafs blue. Uh, it's a Urus blue. Um, beautiful car. He loves being a Leaf. He does. Players like this, they love the spotlight, right? You know the event. If, if the Leafs ever win a Stanley Cup with this regime, Austin Matthews will have a key to the city. Look at what Toronto did when the Raptors won and the praise that, that Leonard got. Like, right, like the claw, like all of that, 
Um, he was a real special player. I, I still can't believe he did what he did here for the city. But, you know, Matthews knows, like, what happens here if that success does come. And I'm all in on believing that success will come. Kyle Dubas says the same thing. Sheldon Keefe has full belief in this group. He said today in a quote, this team, it looks like everything's pointing in the right direction. And I would not be surprised. Look, I would not be surprised the Leafs... Okay, don't laugh. I would not be surprised the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this season. I would not. Why? The Colorado Avalanche, I question their ability to repeat with losing Kadri. Kadri is a huge part there. Um, There's a lot of change there. It's hard to replace your center... Two, um, you know, you go next. The Edmonton Oilers, they're they're a big favorite this year. Jack Campbell's their goaltender. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say there. They also don't really have the the bottom six depth still. So then after that, what you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who got rid of McDonough. I don't really think they got better. I thought they kept their pieces around, but I think this Leafs team could beat them still. Florida, lot of roster change there. We don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, the Calgary Flames, I still think this Leafs roster is a lot more complete than they are. You go down the list of teams in the league, I think the Leafs are the best on paper. I think the analytics show it. I think they have a very, very good bottom six now, especially how two-way based it is. It's going to be hard to score on Toronto. If they can get a little bit more physical in their play style, and if they just commit to what they are, just commit to what you are. This roster is going to score goals. They're not a physical team. Enough with these trading for these pieces that don't fit your style. The, the Nick Felinos and stuff like that. You know, putting Richie on your first line. Just stick to what you are. You're a fast-paced, puck-possession-designed roster. If they can just do that, just play their game and not worry about TSN or Sportsnet pumping out that they need, you know, a fighter or the, the, who's going to go up against Tom Wilson. Play your game. Outskate them. You will find success. The Penguins did it in 2016-2017. It shocked the league. Now the league's starting to go speed-based. Look at the Avalanche last year. Yes, okay, they had a couple guys that weren't afraid to, you know, throw a hit. But this Leafs team has Jake Muzzin, right? Jordy Ben's here now. They have guys that are more than capable of doing that. Wayne Simmons is enough. You don't need a fourth line full of fighters. It's a waste. This Leafs team, if they stick to what they are, they're going to find success. And that is all for me today. Thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I hope you guys... Um, you know, check out us again on our next episode, which should be probably tomorrow. But uh, I just want to give you guys, uh, well, not well, I want to give you guys, you know, the leaf seasons starting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good um, sources out there to get Leafs information from besides uh, me, uh, Joshua, and Salmo here at Battleborn Fan Talk. But uh, here, I'm just going to give you guys some names to go out and check after listening to this podcast if you do want some more Leafs content. Uh, first off, the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Great show. I highly suggest you guys go check them out. Uh, Leafs Legion 16 on Instagram, a Leafs fan page. Great, great follow for sure. Um, Offside Hockey Talk, James. He is phenomenal on almost all social media platforms. Go check him out. He has some great work. I uh, even writes some stuff too. Uh, love his content. And of course, the MVP here, uh, Marty Zilstra. Go check him out. TML fan in van. Go check him out. You know, he produces our song here at the end. He is awesome. He has some great takes. Uh, I really, really suggest you guys go check out these um, names that I mentioned. And one more, Talking Hockey on Twitter. 
great, great follow. Um, you know, all names that I mentioned here, I highly, highly recommend. So go check them out. The Leaf season is just underway and go get some hockey information from the absolute best. Thank you guys for listening and we hope to see you again on the Battleborn Leafs podcast. Kick some ass!